The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
it play and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Maybe there's a God above. But all I've ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you. And it's not a cry that you hear at night. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, I took the name in vain. I don't even know the name. But if I did, well, really, what's it to you? There's a blaze of light in every word It doesn't matter which you heard The broken of a holy hallelujah 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 Good morning and welcome everybody. A special welcome to our visitors who might be with us for the first time or one of the first times. I am Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister here at the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. And it's lovely to have you with us in worship this morning. I am also grateful to have here in the flesh, in the building with me, Meg McGuire, our ministerial intern, and Sam King, our worship associate, Mark Sumner, our music director, Asher Davidson, and Julie Ong out in the courtyard and here with me in the sanctuary, Eric Shackelford on camera, and Jonathan Silk, our director of communications, making all things possible. And of course, Joe Chapeau, who's monitoring the chat. So if you have questions, feel free to put them on the chat and he will respond. 
And of course, we're really grateful for Thomas Brown, who's with us here this morning also, helping us make this morning possible. Other people have made this morning possible, and they are going to be with you this morning in a grand COVID experiment via video. Our musicians have recorded offerings for this morning. So as we learn together these new ways of being and being creative and being worshipful, we invite you to be with us in the experiment. Uh, the sound quality might not always be what you're used to. We'll see. We're doing our best as we see what might be possible for the rest of this year together. I want to light a candle here as we have every week, <clears throat> excuse me, for all of you who are <clears throat> with us here in spirit, though not in body, but as a symbol of the fact that you are here with us in spirit, that we are here together, and we light it until such time as we can be together again in this space. As we continue our worship this morning, I want you to join with me in singing our first hymn. It is the first hymn that is in our gray hymnal, May Nothing Evil Cross This Door. And it was the choir's vote for what we sing on this Sunday when we reflect on what next and what gets us through and points us along the journey. So let's sing together. Welcome. chalice lighting. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light the symbol of our faith as we gather together.
If this is your first time watching, we are so glad you're here. You can follow along in the order of service, which is available in the description of this video, or in, is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter. If you are not yet receiving our newsletter, we hope you'll sign up. You can find the information about that also in the description of this video and in your order of service. Today, and just about every Sunday after worship, we invite you to join us for a Zoom coffee hour. At coffee hour, visitors and members are invited into breakout rooms where you can connect more deeply with two or three others, talk about the service, about your lives, what's happening in the world. Again, the link to that Zoom coffee hour is in the description of this video and your order of service. And thank you especially to Alex Dar for hosting um, and the other team of volunteers who are stepping up to do that too. Also in your order of service, you'll find an extensive list of upcoming opportunities to connect with others in this community for fellowship, fun, and faith formation. We hope you'll read through the offerings and join in anything that interests you. All of these events pretty much are hosted on Zoom and you have the opportunity to join either via video or to simply call in by phone. If you're looking for a grounding way to start or end your day, I want to bring your attention in particular to two offerings from our members. Uh, UUSF member Elena Perez leads a morning meta meditation on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from 8 to 8.30 a.m. The practice is simple and appropriate for all religious backgrounds and any level of experience with meditation. Similarly, and newly among our faith formation offerings is an evening yoga class led by member Amy Hunt on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The sessions are open to anyone with any or no experience with yoga and are designed to promote relaxation, focus, and resilience in particular. Another opportunity that we want to bring to your attention is that this coming Saturday, November 21st, we'll be hosting our third Spirit Saturday, which is an experiment that was started last year. At Spirit Saturday, each of us will pick a workshop to participate in for about an hour and a half before returning to the full group for reflection and conversation. You'll find in the order of service some more information about the three different workshops that are being offered um, and how you can register in advance. And we hope you'll join us. Um, if you are interested in gathering virtually with others from this community on Thanksgiving Day, we hope you'll consider joining me for fellowship and tea from 11 to 12.30 on November 29th. If you register between now and tomorrow, you'll receive also a small care package that we'll enjoy together as we gather virtually. And lastly, as you'll see in your order of service, our offering today will be taken for the San Francisco Marin Food Bank for our hungry neighbors born out of love for one another and our commitment to ease the tide of human suffering. You have a chance this morning both to donate money to help make the programs of the food bank possible and also to sign up to volunteer your time and serve its mission. 
The food bank is serving twice as many people as it was prior to the pandemic. And there are 29 emergency pop-up pantries that the food bank has launched with 8,000 seniors sheltering in place who get food delivered to their home. Thank you to everyone who has already been part of these efforts to support one another in this piece of our shared ministry. And thank you in advance for your generous donations to the organization this morning. That is all I'd like to call your attention to for the moment, but please do take a look at the many other offerings that are there in your order of service. Now please join me for our spoken covenant and sung doxology. The words are printed in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. From all that dwell below the skies, let songs of hope and faith arise. Let peace, goodwill on earth be sung through every land by every tongue. I don't know about the rest of you, but there is a level of fatigue lately that only recently I have been able to realize is there and begin to sense the depths of. Isabel Wilkerson, in her monumental and sweeping work of history and sociology and personal reflection and analysis, her book, Cast, that many of us are reading these days, she writes that one of the pillars of a society that allows the wholesale diminishment and abuse and even eradication of certain people, a first pillar is dehumanization. It's the effort to desensitize a nation to violence and cruelty. I don't think Wilkerson would limit that description to physical violence, though that is the obvious one that she names. Reading her, it occurred to me that I think we have all been on a four-year journey of systematic desensitization to all kinds of violence, spiritual, and psychological included. Not surprising then, what has been surfacing for some of us is a kind of deep psychic exhaustion, relief from fear of assault, at least a little. 
And best of all, most energizing and uplifting is the possibility, too, that we are awakening to, to reorient ourselves and chart a new course. For me, the image that comes to mind or has been coming to mind is an ocean of sort of open seas, a sense of a new adventure, a new journey as a nation, as individuals about to begin. Any good ship, as we know, needs ballast for the hull to weight it and keep it anchored, steady and deep in the water. And any good captain or crew need to know well, their north star, or at least a general compass direction for where they might be headed. This service is about asking what people are putting as ballast in their hull to anchor them for this next journey we begin together. Where and what is their North Star? Where is the general compass heading that tells the direction that we feel in our bones we need to go? Some responses to that question have already been served up in the prelude by Reiko and Asher's song in the hymn, in the covenant, in our doxology. So I invite you to sink deep into the experiment of the morning. Of all these offerings, masked free songs, sung from home, readings, poetry. There will be no wrapped up present at the end, but today is maybe more like a buffet of offerings. Take, take what feeds you. Pack it for the long sail through somewhat charted waters of a journey back to ourselves.
recognizing that there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes. We ring our gong today in honor of two such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first, as we have every Sunday since July of 2019, in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing symbolically stand also for those adults who have lost their lives in these camps, those who remain in such camps, many separated from their families, many now infected by COVID-19 or at great risk of infection. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses this week to COVID-19. This week, 56,298 people died of COVID-19 globally. Here in the United States, we reached another frightening record of new cases, 8,393 people lost their lives to the disease in the United States alone since we last gathered together. We hold in our hearts all of these losses and also all who continue to risk their lives to provide essential services that we collectively rely on. All who suffer from loss of job or economic instability all whose lives are especially vulnerable to the disease. And all whose isolation and struggle through grief and loneliness is harder the longer this pandemic continues. May we keep those we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this week, howsoever we can.
I invite you to enter with me now into a time of spoken and silent meditation. After all the noise of these past few weeks, the clamoring and the buzzing in ourselves and all around us, may we settle together a bit more into this moment. May we enter into a time of shared silence. Grounded in breath or body or the steady beat of your heart, let us invite in the quiet that it might soothe what has been rubbed raw from these past few days, that we might shed for a moment our hardest edges. May we enter, however briefly, into a time outside of time. May we sink into this silence together, that we may listen that it may speak. We return together, holding whatever swelled up in that quiet, honoring the silent meditations of our hearts, carrying forward that wisdom from the stillness, the reminder that even amidst the clamor of the world, the respite of quiet is possible. Shaking over the wars around the world. 
wars inside ourselves How can we gain connection When everything just feels so broken The violence that surrounds us Indifference all around us I believe in a new beginning Conversations, the failures breaking There's love out there There's change out there Where our lives are about each other Making strides towards one another Tearing down walls We've built up people lost inside their own Taking solace through some device Look around, your life is waiting Friends are ready for the making Keep a smile behind your eyes A gentle nod to recognize Humanity in all its forms Step out of your comfort zone Vulnerability can be scary Wanting safety, the heart is where we find balance. Take chances. Wise choices with an open heart. Say hello, hey, it's a star tearing down We built up. It's only November, but what a year. The protests in Hong Kong and the violent crackdown, Australian wildfires, West Coast wildfires, 
Ebola in the DRC, explosions in Beirut, COVID, the deaths of RBG and John Lewis, the killings of George Floyd and too, too many others, and apparently murder hornets. After all of that, even when it looks like there's a silver lining or a light at the end of the tunnel, even when something big seems to happen right, it can be hard to accept it. And there's plenty of reason to believe that the other shoe will drop. People were excited about the election, but depending on what happens in Georgia, we might have Democrats in the White House and Republicans in the Senate, which would likely mean no significant legislation would pass. And regardless of what happens in the federal government, it's not like we can just vote out white supremacy or wildfires or misinformation or COVID. We might like to think that we're better here in California, but even with leadership that listens to science, we're still having a second wave of COVID infections. We still have a forest management strategy of fire suppression and we don't listen to native leaders who had been managing California's fires for millennia before white settlers got here. Even if we agree that cash bail is bad, we couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. And I don't know about you, but there were definitely a lot of ballot propositions that didn't go the way that I wanted them to. And I don't mean to focus on any particular political issue except to say it's always easier to criticize what's happening somewhere else and to think that politics is what's happening in Wisconsin or North Carolina or Georgia, but we still have those issues here. So part of me is seeing everybody taking a well-deserved breath and thinking one election isn't the end of this work. We have to keep showing up tomorrow and the next day and the next day to fight white supremacy culture, not just in the country, but also in our church, in our communities, ourselves. And that work is going to take decades. But the other part of me, I can't be anxious all the time. I can't be angry all the time. My job is working in political organizing, but I can't organize all the time. I've been running hot for a long time, both literally and metaphorically, which is maybe why it struck me how the day after the election, we got a cold wind blowing through. And then two days ago, we had a small drizzle of rain. And I get that we have to keep working and stay vigilant, but I also get that we need to breathe. It's a marathon and we need to cool off. And in winter, isn't the purpose to settle down just a little bit? A time to regroup with our communities and ask ourselves the hard questions that we avoid in the heart hustle and bustle? 2020, what a year it has been. So much has happened and we have done so much important work, but the year isn't over. Maybe December will give us what we need to carry on the work to come.
November 5th, two days after Election Day, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, president of our Unitarian Universalist Association, shared a letter with the denomination titled, Hope is in 
the struggle. As relevant today as it was last week, we share her words with you now. Dear leaders, she began, how is your spirit? These past few days and weeks have been a roller coaster, inviting waves of excitement, uncertainty, and activity. We knew that the 2020 election was not about election day, but election season. People began voting weeks ago, and the work to count every single vote is still happening. On that Thursday, in the face of deep uncertainty and anticipation, she reminded us that this civic practice is tied to our fifth principle, one of our fundamental commitments as a faith. She continued, as Unitarian Universalists, democracy is a core value and practice of our tradition. Our faith calls us to defend the integrity of the election results. Every voice matters. Every vote matters. We must continue to encourage everyone to be patient as all the votes are counted. Fair counting is worth the wait. Defending the election is worth the wait. She spoke of how we have lived out that commitment as part of what was giving her faith, commending the incredible leadership, action, and organizing of UUs at the local, state, and national level. More than 4,500 Unitarian Universalists from 800 congregations participated in the UU The Vote campaign. Through postcards, letters, phone calls and texts, we contacted over 2.79 million voters. Across this country, we continue to witness systemic misinformation and voter intimidation tactics to suppress the vote. It shouldn't be this way, she writes. However, despite the suppression, there was an unprecedented turnout. This is a win for democracy. And we as UUs were part of making it happen. Reverend Susan Frederick Gray also stressed that the UU The Vote campaign was more than just a get out the vote effort. It was envisioned as a strategic campaign to help us build more muscle for partnership, courage, relationships with our neighbors, and articulating and embodying our values. It was intended to strengthen partnerships between our congregations and organizing efforts led by black and indigenous people, people of color, and directly impacted communities. It was rooted in a vision of building power and capacity for a more just, sustainable, and equitable society. She continued with a message all the more powerful given when it was written. No matter the outcome of election 2020, 
The truth I know is that hope is found in the struggle. Actions rooted in one's values, rooted in what we love and know to be true. These are what kindle the fire of hope and inspiration in our hearts and in our communities. Hope is not found in being bystanders. Hope grows when we show up for justice, for love, and for human dignity. So even as we waited for results last week, she urged that we remember that there will be many opportunities for us to continue our work together and live our values. Unitarian Universalism calls us to repair the moral basis of our common life. Facing and addressing the injustices that COVID has laid bare, to create the inclusive, anti-oppressive world we imagine. Finally, she reminds us, as I would remind all of us too, that these times are hard on our hearts. So she closes. I encourage you to find time for rest and self-care. Let's also take a moment to remember that we are deeply connected to each other in love and in community. We are ready, we are powerful, and we are enough.
Part of what we draw from these days is sacred stories. Sacred stories from sacred traditions that speak to us. Give me Jesus. Or around the world in this season, in our nation, the celebration of Diwali offering some of its sacred stories to anchor us. Depending on where you live in India or what community you are from, you will have different traditions around the holiday of Diwali. Diwali, after all, is celebrated not just by Hindus, but Sikhs and Jains and even some Buddhists. So the stories will differ but the celebration of five days, which started on November 12th, is without a doubt one of the biggest on the Indian subcontinent. And everywhere it begins with the lighting of diyas or small earthenware lamps for which the celebration is named that light the way into homes and temples, fireworks that last all night, special foods, new clothing and special clothing, and the exchange of good wishes. There is a sense in all of the celebrations of this metaphor of light that is victorious in the darkest nights of good triumphing. Two of the traditions around Diwali that seem most appropriate for where we find ourselves right now are ones we're going to share this morning. Two of the stories. 
Two of the stories that are centered during Diwali among Hindus especially involve the successful end of a battle with a demon who is finally defeated. How's that for appropriate? One of those stories, the one told by Hindus in the north of India, is a story of the Ramayana that begins with Lord Ram and his brother Lakshman, who are sent to live in the forest banished by their stepmother who wants her own son to be king. Ram's wife, Sita, goes with them. She's a woman of great beauty, and unfortunately for her, the evil ten-headed demon Ravan hears of her beauty and comes to the forest looking for her. Ravan tricks and kidnaps Sita and takes her to his kingdom on the island of Lanka, which is perhaps the modern-day Sri Lanka. Ram and Lakshman search all over for Sita in vain for years. Finally, they encounter the monkey king Hanuman. Hanuman, who has the power of flight, finds Sita, and he and his army of monkeys join the brothers to fight for her return. For ten days, the battle with the evil ten-headed demon Ravan wages, and just when it seems that Ram and Hanuman, Lakshman, and their armies will lose, Ram borrows a bow and arrow from the gods and defeats the evil demon. The villagers hearing of how their greatest enemy will no longer trouble them, and long missing their young prince so long in exile are said to have lit candles, diyas, along the road for Ram and his family to find their way home. More lamps, it is said, than there were stars in the sky. Ram arrives home to be crowned king and rule over his kingdom in Ayodhya, for long and prosperous years. Another tradition in Diwali is the association of the festival, particularly last night, the third night, with the goddess Lakshmi. Wife of Vishnu, the goddess is the goddess of good fortune and prosperity, and it is said that she takes to the roads on the third night of Diwali to visit her devotees. And so, you invite her in, opening doors and windows, literally lighting earthenware lamps on windowsills and balcony edges and along walkways. You light dias, in other words, not only for the prince who is finding his way home from exile, but on the third night for the goddess. You prepare to invite prosperity into your life for her to bless you on her journey. And it isn't just prosperity of the narrowest kind, not just material wealth that you're inviting. It is prosperity in the largest sense of joy, of abundance, of health, of family strength of love. You invite all of that in out of the dark, long nights of winter. May we all find ways to do the same. Happy Diwali. And now our offerings for the works and ministries of this community. No, for the larger works and ministries of this community for the San Francisco Marin Food Bank and the great need that they're serving at this point in time, that offering will be given and gratefully received.
stops raining, stops turning its back on the young. See, nobody here is blameless. I hope that we can fix all we've done. I really hope Martin can see this. I hope that we still have a dream. I'm hoping that change isn't hopeless. I'm hoping to start it with me. I just hope I'm not the only one. I just hope I'm not the only one. I hope we start seeing forever instead of what we can gain in a day. I hope we start seeing each other. Folks, what was their wellspring? Where did they find meaning? What was directing their feet in the unfolding of what next? A lot of music got named. Of course, Mark and our singers were already busy preparing those offerings, those gorgeous offerings that we've been letting sink in. But all the other suggestions of music made me remember how how a lyric can become like a mantra that we hang on to, or, or a piece of music can become like a theme song for our lives. Personally, for me, it's been the Dixie Chick song, I Hope, with its gorgeous litany of I Hope statements that I would blast in the car on the way home from church every week. And it's reminder too that our children are watching us, they put our trust in us, they're going to be like us. So let's learn from history and do it differently. I hope. 
For many, what's orienting us is a kind of crystallization about what to do differently. Sam and Rochelle, Fortier, Wadibia, and so many others named that for them, part of what it includes is the command to uproot racism, to name anti-blackness, to help our communities get some larger cultural competency that will prepare us to step more lovingly, more equitably into the chapter of multicultural national life that awaits us and work that is so obviously in need of being done with urgency. UU minister Elizabeth Stevens writes in a reading that was shared by Jane Stallman. She writes to tell us to celebrate the progress, the triumph, celebrate the heart-breaking almosts, breathe, rest for a time, then get up and turn toward kindness, turn toward your neighbor in need, toward those who are still trapped in the stone. Tell them I won't give up, tell them I am with you, tell them for you I will learn to eat rock. For you I will keep chewing, keep grinding until the mountain of injustice crumbles to dust. Other things have crystallized for many of us, the requirement to be an engaged citizen and a reclamation of the practices of democracy beyond voting. The power of science and the need to protect a reverence for it. The power of reason and fact-based arguments and the danger of social media, to stir emotion and launch people reflexively into action. If desensitization and dehumanization is part of what we are weary from, worn down by, then resensitization is part of the cure, certainly for what ails us. So our cure, in part, is to allow ourselves to delight in sane speech, in the beauty of those who reach across the divide, to feel gratitude for all who hold up the common good, to delight when we see those who sacrifice for what endures beyond one lifetime, to revere leadership that puts greater good above one's own personal interests and small ego. Our healing begins when we reclaim tenderness and connection. And out there, too, is hope, a little tattered, perhaps, around the edges, but ready to be reclaimed. But not hope 
Not hope as a feeling, or not just as a feeling, but hope maybe more as an orientation of the spirit and a choice. I think folks like our Minister Emerita Margot Campbell Gross might even say hope as a spiritual discipline. Speaking of this, Margot wrote, I believe human beings have the capacity to choose. So I willingly choose to ground myself in faith and this allows me to hope. Every day, she writes, I start with an hour of meditation, ending with the sun salutation. It is necessary work. It is a discipline. Every day, this quiet time helps reorient me toward hope. This is only possible because of my commitment to faith in beauty, in love, the tremendum, God, all these are metaphors for that which cannot be named, but also cannot be lost. Margot, like many of us, grounds herself often in the poetic imagination. Many of you sent poems. For her, it is Gerard Manley Hopkins' poem, God's Grandeur, which among its gorgeous lines are those that close it, ones that promise, despite everything, quote, the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and ah, bright wings. Member Hannah Hart shared a Mary Oliver poem with me a few weeks back. I was quoting another Oliver line, meanwhile the world goes on. And in the poem Hannah sent, Oliver writes, I go down to the shore in the morning and depending on the hour, the waves are rolling in or moving out, and I say, oh, I am miserable. What shall, what should I do? And the sea says in its lovely voice, excuse me, I have work to do. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, there is work to get to, beautiful and important. And maybe we have a better sense these days of what work it is. I hope. We offer you now the words of the Reverend Mark Bellatini who once served this congregation as a ministerial intern and later as an interim assistant minister and who also happened to be my minister growing up. 
a gorgeous reminder maybe of how what we do ripples out into the world and sometimes back again in a beautiful and virtuous circle. The words themselves, we hope, remind us all of what election promises we might renew to the world and ourselves in this season. I hear the polls are going to be open on Tuesday, all day. Good. I certainly intend to go to them, and I certainly invite you to go to them and vote too. But today I say the polls are not just open on Tuesday. I say they are open every day, every hour even here, even now. I'm going to vote right now for the right to dream of a world where the word politics doesn't stop me in my tracks and where the word honor still has a few good meanings left. I'm gonna vote right now for the power of free people to actually be free no matter who they are, no matter who has abandoned them, no matter who hates them. Actually, I'm going to vote for love. I'm gonna vote for truthfulness as the norm, not the exception. I'm gonna vote for a world that doesn't vote for killing, control, and swagger. I'm gonna vote for you. I'm gonna vote for me. Right now, right here, silently, but for real. We'll build a land where we bind up the broken. We'll build a land where the captives go free, where the oil of gladness dissolves all the morning. We'll build a
from Cuba by way, briefly, of Spain. He's an American immigrant citizen who spoke these words first on January 21st, 2013, at the inauguration of Barack Obama, speaking of one nation under God and blue sky. We'll read the last three stanzas of it as we close this morning. One sky, since the Appalachians and the Sierras claimed their majesty and the Mississippi and Colorado worked their way to the sea. Thank the work of our hands, weaving steel into bridges, finishing one more report for the boss on time, stitching another wound or uniform, the first brush stroke on a portrait, or the last floor on the Freedom Tower jutting into the sky that yields to our resilience. One sky toward which we sometimes lift our eyes tired from work, some days guessing at the weather of our lives, some days giving thanks for a love that loves you back. Sometimes praising a mother who knew how to give or forgiving a father who couldn't give you what you wanted. We head home through the gloss of rain or weight of snow or the plum blush of dusk, but always home always under one sky, our sky, and always one moon like a silent drum tapping on every rooftop and every window of one country, all of us, facing the stars, hope, a new constellation waiting for us to map it, waiting for us to name it together. Irving Berlin arrived at age five from Russia, a small Jewish boy escaping the pogroms and discrimination and poverty of the place from which 
he was born. He would later write, among other songs, God Bless America, and this one about our blue sky days and hope. Comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us, out from within us. Be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.